The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about dignity. What an important word. And I have this fabulous book right here in front of me that I just finished reading. It's called Dignity, The Essential Role It Plays in Resolving Conflict by Donna Hicks, Ph.D. And I just absolutely love this. And I, what was fun about reading this book before I tell you about her is I, I realized that both of us had lived in Madison, Wisconsin. She went and got all her degrees there, and I got my undergraduate degree at the University of Wisconsin. And just lots of fun things that uh, we both know. Bill Urey, I, I trained with him, and she's a professor with him at Harvard. So it's just very fun to have those connections. So let me tell you a little bit about this wonderful woman. Donna, Dr. Donna Hicks is an associate at the Weatherhead Center for International Affairs at Harvard University, where she chairs the Herbert C. Kelman Seminar on International Conflict. Dr. Hicks was Deputy Director of the Program on International Conflict Analysis and Resolution at the Weatherhead Center for International Affairs at Harvard University for nine years, and she worked extensively on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and as a member of the third party in numerous unofficial diplomatic efforts. In addition to the work in the Middle East, which must have been very, very hard, um, Dr. Hicks founded and co-directed a 10-year project in Sri Lanka, which brought the Tamil, Sinhalese, and Muslim communities together for dialogue. She's been actively involved with the conflict in Colombia, where she was invited to give workshops and lectures in conflict resolution. And for years, she was involved in the project designed to improve relations between the United States and Cuba. Dr. Hicks was a consultant to the British Broadcasting Company, where she co-facilitated encounters between victims and perpetrators of the Northern Ireland conflict with Archbishop Desmond Tutu. The encounters were made into three television programs that were aired throughout the United Kingdom and on BBC World. And she was the founder and founding board member of the Alliance for Peacemaking, and, of course, as I said before, she's the author of this wonderful book that was published in 2011, Dignity, the Essential Role It Plays in Resolving Conflict. And before I go on to actually have her come on, I just want you to know her website is drdonnahicks.com, where you can learn more about her and her book and 
I'm just so thrilled that you're joining us on our uh, on our show today. Oh, thank you, Mari. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, Donna, why don't you tell us, why did you write a book about dignity? I wrote a book about dignity because, as you mentioned in my uh, introduction, and thank you for that introduction, I had been working all over the world on these intractable conflicts. And, and Mari, it didn't matter where I was in the world working uh, to try to bring these parties together for dialogues. It didn't matter where I was, but when we were sitting at these negotiating tables, and the two communities were sitting there, you know, on either side of the table, trying desperately to work out their political issues that divided them. I, because I'm a psychologist, I was tuned in to another level. It's really the, the nonverbal level that was, was not being talked about at the table, but, Mari, there was this, this, this conversation that was happening, and it had, it was, as I call it, it was happening under the table. And there were so, there were so... Um, such emotional issues that were obviously in the room, but nobody was talking about it. And I, you know, I thought of it as this stream of emotional turmoil that was happening under the table. Yet, it was, you know, it was never being discussed. And it was the, conver- the conversation. If I could, if I could put words to it, went something like this, Mari. Well, how dare you treat me this way? Mm-hmm. You know, don't you see I'm a human being, and that when you treat me like that, it's, you know, it's hurtful and and so I put, I was watching this, and again, didn't matter where I was, and this, these, these, these emotional undercurrents would be taking over the negotiation process. Because, look, you've got to remember, these people were brilliant. These were the, the leaders of their communities. They were, you know, top-level people. And so there was no shortage of intellectual ideas that, you know, would help resolve the conflict. But, I'll, but this, this emotional stuff was hijacking the process every single time. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I remember saying to myself, gee, how would we, would we ever get these, these, these people to talk about the emotional wounds that they've experienced as a result of this conflict? And I knew, I mean, you, you can imagine, Mari, I thought, forget it, they would never talk about emotions, right? They, they right. just don't <laughs> do it at the negotiating table. But so one day I was sitting there and I had this epiphany and I said, my gosh, this is not... This, the way we can talk about this is t- calling it, you know, dignity violations. That these, this is really all about their dignity that's being trampled upon. And, and honestly, Mari, that was, that was it. I said, all right, this is how I'm going to be able to get these men to discuss these, you know, these really profound and sometimes ancient, you know, mm-hmm. ancient wounds that were carried forth over the generations. So I just started using this language of dignity. I mean, you know, I would say to, the, to people, oh, and let's just make a joke of this. If I were to say to people, oh, tell me the time when you were emotionally wounded, nobody would say Oh, a word. yeah. They'd say, you know, this is touchy-feely, exactly. get out of here. touchy-feely, oh. get out of here. But <laughs> if, I were, if I said to them, and I'd have, and I'd say, tell me a time that you felt your dignity was violated by oh. the other side. Mari, everybody had a story. Yes. Every person, not only one story, people had several stories. And so what this did was open up this whole dialogue about these emotional and profoundly hurtful, psychologically hurtful, um, uh, you know, issues that people were carrying around with them. And it was, as I said, it was hijacking the, the negotiating process. And so I thought, I have to write about this. And you know what's so beautiful, and, and this especially because, you know, I do mediation all the time, so I, I can know. really relate to this. 
and you know when you when you have a bunch of men in the room you know it's going to be harder than ever than than women you know they're they're more open to right. do this but you know um what i think is so profound that you you know that you say the word dignity and you talk about respect and we'll talk about the difference in a few minutes but dignity is about it really kind of starts with the ego uh-huh. and and that's where most people are living in their ego Yes. And if you talk about their ego, but if you talk about their emotions, that kind of gets too deep and is too scary. Yes. And and they want to shut the door. That's but, right. But dignity leads the door to, um, you know, it's more, it sounds intellectual, but what supports it is really emotional. So I thought, how brilliant that you would do that, you know, because I was telling you, you and I were talking before, you know, I studied with Bill Urey and Roger Fisher, and they talk about separating the person from the problem and be soft on the people and hard on the issue. But you honed it in to the word that really catches it. And I just, I I mean, it really resonated with me. I've been mediating 26 years and, (laughs) and, and, you know, I always know that about respect. You know, I'm, I'm always so careful to make sure that everybody is really respectful Mm -hmm. and I know the word dignity, but I didn't use it in the way that you use it, but I will now. I will, oh, and I wonderful. will, and and I will say, hey, I learned this from Donna Hicks. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And you know, the the thing is that you made a really important point just now. You said that you know when people um, don't like the word emotional, and they they don't know. I mean, most of the time, people just don't know what to do with it, frankly. And yet, when when I say to people, look, you know, you were upset in that in that session, in that negotiating session. Because your dignity was violated. Yes. And, and they, something happens to people because you know, they say, not only do they feel okay talking about that, but they say, yeah, no wonder I felt so bad. Right. You know, I was just treated really badly by that person. And, and I think just, and that's the other reason I wrote the book, because and it's not just for my, my colleagues and my, you know, people at the international level. You know, I, I, I have to tell you a funny short story that I did a, um, one of these dignity workshops in Colombia with the military. I, I wrote this about this briefly in my book, where the yes. military uh, and the Ministry of Defense were in a terrible squabble, and and I ended up using the the, the dignity model to to try to mediate this dispute. And I mean, they were really you know resistant in the beginning to even thinking about you know anything, even being there at the table. They didn't even want to face each other. Yes. But anyway, after two days of working on the dignity model, this one general who was, you know, just really not very communicative with me, and he hardly gave me eye contact the whole time, he came up to me and he said, Donna, I've got to hand it to you. Not only did you repair this relationship in this room and help us through our difficulties, but I think you saved my marriage. Yeah, I read that. I laughed. Okay. I, it's so <laughs> wonderful. And, you know, it, it, at that point, Mari, I, I realized, you know what, this isn't just about political issues. This no. isn't about international conflict entirely. It's and any conflict. It's any people, anybody. Yes. Anywhere people come into contact with one another, yes. there's a good chance that somebody's going to feel that their dignity is violated. And, and the third reason that I wrote this book is because there's so many easy ways to learn how to honor people's dignity that can make a, a relationship, you know, uh, a good relationship even better and stronger. And, and it doesn't take much to, you know, to, to, to learn this. But, but the fact is, and here's the, here's the sad part, but it's true that 
honoring dignity doesn't come naturally to us. You know, basically yes. what comes naturally because of our own defense system is that we, we know how to violate dignity. Yes. So we really do have to learn it. And I'm, I just gave people a language and a way to think about it. And, and, and everyday people, too. I can't tell you how many people who are just, you know, write to me on a daily basis and say, you gave my husband and me a language to talk about what our relationship problems are. So. Right. It's, it's, you know, I think we are at a point in our evolution as a society that we're ready to learn these skills and teach these skills from tiny children up. You know, it, it, it is time. I mean, it is time for peace, and this is a way to do it, you know. And so I think we should talk to, about the, the 10 steps because I, I think they're wonderful. And, of course, in your book, you go into the 10 steps, what they are, and the, the 10 uh, qualities of dignity and or the 10 elements of dignity, as you call them. And I, I think we should talk about them because you go into them in much greater depth in the book. But let's kind of go through them. I want to make sure that we do that while we're on the on the radio. Sure. So the, yeah, the first one is acceptance of identity. Let's talk about that one first. Well, acceptance of identity. You know, basic the basic message there is that you know we should we should treat everybody whom we come in contact with as if they're neither inferior or superior to us. We are neither better or worse than anybody else. And, you know, honor people based on their, their identity, meaning their ethnicity, their religion, their gender, you know, what all those isms that normally, that normally divide us. Right. If we just look at everybody, you know, from that human identity, rather than, you know, try to separate people out as if they're good or bad or you know, judge them for whatever, whatever their, you know, what their identities are, that people feel so wonderful just being treated as if they're worthy and that they are and they have value. So that's what I'm saying. Accept everybody's identity. You know, that doesn't mean you have to be their best friends, but it means just treat them as if they matter. Exactly. And, and I love what you say. Just, you know, accept that others have integrity. And, yeah. and that's really important. Okay, let's go to the second one. And then again, I just want you guys to listen. I am finding this book really wonderful. So if you want to go, you know, there's, she goes into these in much more depth. In um, But let's just go through them. So the second one is inclusion. Oh, Mari, this one, this one most people, um, I mean, nobody has any trouble identifying with any of these elements of dignity. But inclusion, just think about how bad you feel when somebody leaves you out of um, let's say, an important meeting or leaves you out of a, a social situation where you're wondering, well, why wasn't I invited to that? Or, you know, exclusion, I think, some people argue, some of my colleagues argue that that is the worst dignity violation of all. And, you know, you can think about exclusion at the political level, too, where people don't feel like they're part of a political process, but it's just all human beings want to feel a sense of belonging. Yes. It's, it's fundamental to, our, to who we are as a, as a, as a you know, as human beings. And, and, and so when it's we leave... So painful. Yes, and I'm thinking when we leave a country out of the United Nations, for example. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is such a slap in the face. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, safety. Oh, safety, you know, so everybody knows, Mari, physical safety is, is, is obvious, right? We, we have all kinds of laws and, and social norms that we, you can't physically harm another person. But when it comes to psychological safety, mm -hmm. right, where people want to feel safe to be who they are, they want to feel safe to speak up, they want to feel safe to um, not be shamed and humiliated, 
this is really the dignity model focuses mostly on this psychological safety. Yes. Create an environment, whether it's in your classroom, in your family, in your business, where people feel safe to be who they are without fear of being humiliated. Right. And I, I, you know, I've seen this in mediation where someone will make themselves vulnerable and the other person will just like kick them in the teeth. Absolutely. And I immediately pointed out, you know, like here, here this person is being vulnerable, um, saying, accepting responsibility, and you just kicked them in the face. There what is. is that all about? Right? Yeah. It's about, yeah, it's, it's, that's it. That's exactly what I'm Yeah. And then about. I'll ask them, what's that all about? And then we talk about it. But you know, I mean, that's why marriages end. That's yes. why relationships end, partnerships end, yes. business, you know, dealings end. Okay, the next one, acknowledgement. Oh, you know, I always say to people, if you want to have one, one uh, element of dignity, one dignity skill that you can pull out of your pocket and make people feel good on a regular basis, show people, listen to them, you know, show people that you're hearing them, that you're acknowledging Let's just say something really bad happened to somebody, and you say, instead of just letting it go, you say, oh, gee, that sounds horrible. Tell me, you know, tell me more about what happened. And then mm. just acknowledging people's experiences. And we all crave it. We all crave acknowledgement, whether it's for a job well done or, you know, for, for whatever, whatever it is that we, that we want praise and recognition for. Or sensitivity to. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So just be, be, being mindful of how important it is to, to acknowledge people. Um, it's, it's, it's the one quick way of honoring dignity that works every single time. Exactly. The next one is recognition. Well, it's, it's a similar one. But, you know, people feel, especially at the political level, people feel that they're not recognized, people who don't have a political voice. But it's also true, for example, in our workplace. You know, say we have a boss who is just, you know, doesn't recognize the good work that we do, doesn't give us praise, doesn't give us, you know, the kind of, um, you know, just pat on the back when we do something well. I mean, human beings just like to be told that they've done a good job. And so just be generous. Be generous with praise and, and positive feedback. If you and want thank to yous, yeah. Or a thank you. Exactly. Oh, gratitude, yeah. I know that, you know, from many, many years of teaching, and I remember when I was in college back at UW, one of the things, you know, in the teaching learning process, you, you learn that if you mm-hmm. recognize and you talk about the good things they do, that increases their performance. It's so true. It's so, it's one and of so if you want I, people, if you're a boss and you want people to do better, just every time yeah. they do something right, tell them how great they're doing. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, fairness. Well, see, fairness is something everybody knows. I mean, it's, it's, I mean everybody knows all of these, as I said, but fairness <laughs> is you know, just being treated in an even-handed way. And, you know, I always, I always tell people, think about when you see two kids whose parents or mother or father is doling out candy to them. The first thing they do is they look to see who got more, right? Right. There's this inherent sense of fairness that everybody is born with. We, we know when something just isn't right. And that's, and, and oh, believe me, so many of the political conflicts that I deal with is about what people think is just completely unfair. You know, how dare you, you know, treat me this way? This is just so unfair. And it's, it's, in, our, it's in our DNA. We just know this one from, from the inside out. And, you know, that one sometimes is really um, a difficult one in mediation because when I'm talking about what's fair under the law, you yeah. know what I mean? 
um, people will, I, I always have to say, this is not Mari talking. This is the law. And <laughs> yes. so we have to look at what is fair under the law, not what's fair that Mari is thinking. It doesn't matter what I think. Yes. What matters is the law. So sometimes people will think that I'm not being fair because I'm pointing out to them, um, you know, if it's divorce mediation or if it's a business dispute, if I'm pointing out the law, then they think, well, that's not fair. And yeah. I go, well, you know, I don't like to pay taxes. That doesn't seem fair to that me, but I do it. <laughs> but I think that's one that I, you know, that I struggle with as a mediator myself is am I, am I being fair, you know? Yeah. Oh, we, we should all struggle with that one, you know. It's, it's a fundamental aspect of our humanity being concerned about that. Right. And then, you know, then I've been accused of being, you know, not necessarily fair until I kind of have to step back and say, okay, here is the statute or here is the case, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what I think. It's just, you know, this is the law. And, mm-hmm. and so that's what you guys are dealing with, you know, why this law is the way it is. Yeah. You know, I can't help that. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, work to change the law if you think it's unfair, but don't tell me that I'm not I know. Fair, so right? that, I mean, that one, when I was reading that one, I thought, you're right. And I try to be fair and I try to be neutral and I try to be yeah. this. But, you know, that, that uh, once in a while that happens and it's it's really a rough place for me. Yep. I yeah. understand. It's bigger than you. Just the, the legal system is way bigger than anything you can do. Uh, you know, you can't right. turn around the law. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I would think when even with international conflicts, there probably are, you know, certain things like, you know, the Hague Convention and certain, yeah. you know, that you say, well, here, this is it. We have to look to this. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, you know, what are the standards? Yeah. And people don't like standards. No, I know. <laughs> the next one is benefit of the doubt. Oh, I love this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, treat people as if they're basically, I mean, uh, as if they're doing the best they can, you know, that. Everybody, if you, if you make the assumption that everybody has integrity and that they're probably doing the best that they can given their circumstances, that's a real honoring of dignity. And, you know, I've seen, I've, I've been doing a lot of work in the corporate world now, uh, lately, Mari, and I've seen uh, business uh, transactions actually turn around. Because, you know, there's this, this psychological literature that says that when you treat people uh, what the intentions that you bring to a, whether it's a negotiation or a conversation, people can sense when you're when you think that they're not trustworthy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this whole literature now on mirror neurons that we can actually is now well documented that we can pick up on what the emotional state of other people is. Just, it's just part of our, you know, we used to call that intuition, I think, right? Yes, yes. But now there's science behind it, and and so when you when you go into a conversation with someone and have the intention that this person has integrity, this person is going to be trustworthy, and I'm going to bring out the best in this person. Yes. If you approach people that way, you're going to get, you're going to get a, you know, a home run with this person, as opposed to you know, doing the opposite, saying, oh, this guy's not trustworthy, I can sense it, I can feel it. Well, we can pick up on those those yes. messages that we're sending out and conveying to people. So creating, if, a, creating our own reality. Yes. Yes, the, I think the one thing that that doesn't work, and it just reminds me of something that happened recently where my husband and I really were trustworthy of this young man who was trying to get sober, and we really treated him with the utmost trust and respect and dignity, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, he Mari, stole addiction from us. You know a, what I mean? I mean, addiction's a tough one, right? Yes. When you're dealing with an yes. addict, I yes. think um, I think benefit of the doubt is a difficult one yes. because <laughs> it's not the, the they're not speaking. The true human being in there isn't speaking. It's the addiction that's speaking. Right. Right. And that, I'm so really happy you brought that up because those are that's probably the one caveat that I would say about benefit of the doubt is yes. that when you're dealing with an addict, just be careful. Yes. And, and, you know, my husband was more trustworthy than I would have been, but, um, but, but we always treated him with dignity. And of course, then we, you know, had a computer stolen. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. So that is the caveat that I think sometimes we have to do that. Like we, you know, and I tell my clients as well, I said, learn to trust in increments, believe, you know, go with your heart open, but trust in increments. Yeah. Because That's if a really you, good advice. Because if you trust too much, sometimes, unfortunately, I deal with a lot of fraud. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so, yeah. you know, you, you yeah. give somebody the benefit of the doubt, but also be mindful. Well, <laughs> it's true. And I, I would say one other caveat to that one is, Mari, that uh, start out that way. But the minute that you see that it, that's not you know, the, you're getting untrustworthy behavior coming back. Yeah, watch your boundaries. And, and then you and then you have to readjust. But I'm just saying, start out that way. Yes. But then readjust quickly when you have if you have to. Yes. When you find out you're dealing with someone who is not uh, trustworthy. Exactly. So let's get to we have the, we have about two minutes to do the last three. So let's do understanding. Well, that's that's pretty simple. You know, don't prejudge people. Wait until you understand more about their background, who they are. You know, it's, this is that's a pretty quick one and simple one. Just don't prejudge. Withhold judgment until that person has a chance to explain himself or herself to you. Right. And active. You talk about active listening. You exactly. know, really listen and then then tell them back. Is this what you're saying? Right. Because understanding really isn't always so easy because we hear it from our own perspective Definitely. all the time. <laughs> really listening, at, you know, instead of waiting for yourself to speak, you listen in order to understand him or her. Yes. Independence. Well, independence, you know, I mean, this, is, this was a big one in international conflict where people felt that their freedoms were being withheld and, and they were being controlled. You know, a lot of people talk about in relationships somebody being a control freak where you're trying to... Uh, you know, control everything a person does, give people the opportunity to feel like there's hope in their lives and a sense of possibility and that they can make those decisions for themselves. You know, and that is even with relationships, you know, you know, I mean, I, I know that I can be a control freak myself, (laughs) so I work on that, but you know, I mean that, that, uh, you know, my husband and, and is, is a good, um, mirror for me to tell me that. And the last, and the last one is accountability. Yeah, and this is a simple one. These are all simple, as you can see, Mari. But this one is, if you, if you goof up, if you make a mistake, if you hurt somebody, apologize. Yes, yes. Take responsibility for your actions. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing I say to people about dignity that, you know, one, you know we all try very hard, but sometimes we're not going get it, to get it right. But fortunately, we have this other possibility, which is to say, I'm sorry. If and we then don't to, get it right. And then to follow it up with actually making a commitment and really trying to make those changes. I want to change my behavior. I don't want to do this to you again in the future. So I'm going to work to try to change my behavior. That's that it puts the frosting on the cake, Mari. Exactly. Well, we are out of time, but I'm so glad we got through all of them, but you can learn a lot more in this wonderful book, Dignity. 
by Donna Hicks, Ph.D. Donna, thank you so much. Why don't you just give your website so people can learn more? Right. It's drdonnahicks.com, all lowercase. And, Mari, I want to thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Oh, it's so fun. We'll keep in touch, all right? Thank you, Mari. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning on KUCI at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and please write to us about the concerns that you have about resolving conflict in your life. Thank you. It's about trust. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.